The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. We want to continue to make this podcast better, and we need your help to do it. We created a short survey that'll help us to get to know you better, and we want to hear from you. This is your chance to make sure that we are creating content that speaks to your unique needs. There's a link in the description below. Now let's get to the episode. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for spending time with us today. It's listeners like you in 181 different countries that have made Negotiate Anything the most popular negotiation and conflict resolution podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, professor, and the director of the American Negotiation Institute. Before we get started, I have two quick questions for you. Is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Lisa, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, we are glad to have you, my friend. So how would you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, so um, I am a general counsel for a public university in Kentucky. It um, is Kentucky State University, and I have been here for three years. Nice, very nice. And before that, what was your legal career like? So prior to coming to um, Kentucky State University, uh, I've had a very and a diverse career. Um, I started out first as a as a paralegal. I was in the military, and then uh, when I got out, I became a civilian paralegal. Went to law school at night, became an associate at the same law firm for several years, and then after that, I transitioned into state government, and I worked for educational agencies within state government before coming to Kentucky State University. Fantastic. Oh, that's great. This is great. And so for today's episode, we're talking about how to negotiate in, in tough times. And I don't know if, uh, you know, our listeners know, but we've had some tough times recently. <laughs> and, to say the least. <laughs> and they've turned, they've, they've given us a lot of opportunities to practice these harder negotiation skills. And, and the reality is sometimes these, we have put these contracts in place and then circumstances change and we have to renegotiate. So those are really tough conversations and I'm pumped to have you on to, to talk about those. And the three skills or focuses of this uh, podcast are going to be first, avoiding positional bar- bargaining. Second, transparency. And then lastly, reasonable adjustments. And so avoiding positional bargaining, this is a, a classic in collaborative negotiation, right? But now you're living it because these are some really tough negotiations. So for the listeners who might not be familiar with the term, can you tell us what you mean by positional bargaining? Yeah, I think you have to be really careful when you go into a negotiation and be firm in in a very specific and and held position. Because I think part of the problem when you're entering into a negotiation, especially in a crisis or challenging times, uh, it's, it's really important to have an understanding of the perspectives of both parties as you begin that negotiation. Because if you have a very specific position and you're 
hell-bent on maintaining that position throughout the negotiation, it, it, it's really going to make for uh, an unfruitful conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think about it almost like a, like a toddler style approach to negotiation. Um, it's not really a negotiation at that point, because what you're doing is you're like, okay, this is my position. I'm not moving. No, 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 no. Okay. You sound like a toddler, right? And it's just absolutely. holding that position. Right. Right. It, 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 it absolutely makes no sense. And like you said, it's not a negotiation. If you're going to go in and you're going to say, this is what we're going to do. That's not a negotiation. Right. And so let's let's uh, play devil's advocate here for those people who are really hardcore business negotiators. And they okay. might say, well, hey, listen, my job is to represent the company. My job is to get the best deal possible. Going into this, I've determined this is the best deal possible. How can I negotiate effectively if I'm not trying to hold that specific position? You know, and I think part of the problem is it's how you define what that position is and what's best for your company. And so just to take uh, the university as an example, you know, you may say that it's best for us to have um, a relationship with this vendor, take a food service provider. Um, you know, what is best for this university is to be, have a collaborative relationship with a vendor who is going to help us through this crisis. And so I think it really and truly is impossible for you to walk into a negotiation with a vendor when the total landscape in which we are now working has totally changed. So I think it's really difficult to be able to walk in with a, with a, with a held position um, when you're in the middle of a crisis and you've got two parties that are being impacted by the crisis. And in some ways, there's no way for you to completely know and understand how they're being impacted. And so in order for me to get the best result for the university, I have to have a better understanding of, you know, what obstacles that we have and, and what problems we have. And I also need to understand what the other side has in terms of obstacles so that I can figure out a way that we can come together and have a solution that is going to um, work best for both of us. And in a crisis, you've got to understand that we're both going to lose to some extent, but it's like sharing, sharing the loss together and equally. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And what's interesting too, for you listeners out there, um, make sure you listen to the next episode because we are going to have a sparring session. And, um, <laughs> and so I am going to be that unreasonable negotiator, the positional bargainer. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for me, at least. I know that. Yeah, I'll be bullied. I'll be bloodied and bruised by the end, I'm sure. But everybody will learn from the process, right? And I, it, it brings up a good point because, and of course, we're going to demonstrate how to actually do this in the conversation. But let's say we've adopted this mentality of collaborative negotiation. Let's say we're at a point where we say, listen, no, I'm not going to rigidly hold my position. I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to seek to understand and make reasonable adjustments as the new information comes in so I can make sure that not only I survive, but also my partner here survives too, so we can continue a fruitful relationship. Let's say we've adopted that. What if they haven't? What if they're still in the mode of positional bargaining? How do we deal with that? Yeah, and, and, and we did encounter that. And, you know, and part of what I tried to do um, is talk about how um, with them maintaining that position, if they continue to maintain that position, 
we would not be able to achieve what we were both looking to achieve. If they took a hard line and insisted that we continue to do exactly what the contract required us to do when we had no students on campus and we were refunding students money who was going home, what sense does it make to bankrupt us? <laughs> because if we're no longer there to have a partnership with, if you're going to take that, that hard line, um, you can't cut your nose off despite your face. And that's kind of a conversation we had, which is, you know, we have a symbiotic relationship in order for, um, you know, you to do well, we need to do well. And so in order for us to do well, I need to know what you're willing to do to help us so that we can do well, so that we can continue to have this relationship and we can continue to um, work together to get the benefits of, of the bargain that we initially struck. Yep. Yep. It, it makes so much sense. And I think the natural human response oftentimes is to to utilize reciprocity. We always think about reciprocity in terms of um, good things. Hey, um, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of thing. You give me something, I give you something in return. But the, the opposite side of reciprocity is vengeance. <laughs> because yeah. we once, yeah. once somebody comes in really hard and says, no, this is a hard line, we're not adjusting our position. We're like, wow, you are hurting me, I want to hurt you. And now this becomes a war of attrition where this spirals right. out of control. And so the approach that you're taking is really, really smart because what you're doing is you're making the case. You're saying, okay, you can be selfish. Well, let me explain to you why this is in your best interest. You might not want to be nice, but it's actually in your best interest to make sure that we survive. 100%. And, you know, when you talk about um, this vengeance thing about, you know, they inflict on pain on you and then you inflict pain on them, you don't have to do that in this type of, of negotiation because it's exactly what you said. What you say is, I'm not hurting you. You're hurting yourself because if you want us to continue to, to, to be a customer and continue to help you make money, then you can't bring us to our knees and cause us to no longer be able to be in business because you're being so unreasonable in these, this type, this type tough time. Exactly. And I think this is really important for everybody to understand. Um, this is like the, the negotiation behind the negotiation, like the meta negotiation, right? Because a lot of times we try to get into the, the actual um, meat of the matter. What are the numbers? What's the deal going to be? What adjustments need to be made? Will you make adjustments, right? The substance of it. But even before we get in there, it's the battle of the frames. What type of negotiation are we engaging in right now? And a lot of times people don't understand that this really high-level battle of the frames is occurring at the beginning of the negotiation. So before we even get to the substance and the numbers and everything, you had to get them on board to say, this is the type of negotiation we're having. I'm not even playing this game of um, positional bargaining because it doesn't work for me. Before we even advance, we're going to talk about the rules of engagement. Hi, I'm Catherine Kanapke, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer here at the American Negotiation Institute. Did you know our company offers completely customizable negotiation workshops? The negotiation and conflict resolution skills that your team will learn from these workshops are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram accounts to see our daily negotiation content. Thanks for listening. Will AI improve our lives or exterminate the species? What would it take to abolish poverty? 
Are you eating enough fermented foods? These are some of the questions we've tackled recently on The Next Big Idea. I'm Rufus Griscom, and every week I sit down with the world's leading thinkers for in-depth conversations that will help you live, work, and play smarter. Follow The Next Big Idea wherever you get your podcasts. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Absolutely. And that is absolutely what we had to do. And, you know, and sometimes you, like you said, you do get that resistance. And so you have to kind of break down that resistance and you have to um, get everybody to understand why really and truly this is the only way that we're going to solve this problem is if we approach this negotiation in this way. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. That is great. I feel like we could have a whole episode <laughs> on that point. But for the sake of time, let's move on to transparency, because this okay. is really interesting, especially in the context of a negotiation where there are really big numbers involved, and it's really significant for both sides. A lot of people resort to playing it close to their chest. I'm not going to share this information, but you have a different approach where you say transparency is valuable. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's this reciprocity concept that you talked about, you know, you share information and when you share information, then they share information back. And when you do this um, and when there's transparency, you develop trust. And when you develop trust, then you, you know that everybody's at the table in good faith, trying to problem solve together. And, um, you know, part of what we tried to do is share with our vendor, here are our struggles. Here's where we're going to struggle in this pandemic and the way things are happening with our students not on campus. Um, and we also had conversations where we asked them to share information because we went line by line with their budget and how much we were paying and how much they needed to make in order to break even. And we went through line by line in terms of like insurance, um, their web hosting fees, their um, employee fee um, expenses, you know, and we went through in a problem solving manner and we tried to be very transparent about how, you know, um, these different aspects of the relationship and the different aspects, um, how it impacted both of us. So, you know, we would, we would ask, well, why can't you um, let go some of your employees? Um, you know, um, so we would go back and forth and, and, and had very transparent conversations. And when you do that, there's trust. And when you have trust, then um, you know that they're giving as much as they can give. And it was nice because uh, we did brainstorm on both sides. Well, I understand that you said that you can't do that, but well, why can't you do that? Why have you ever considered doing this, this, and this? And so it was a really good collaborative conversation when we were being as transparent as possible about our pain points. And we were trying to help each other figure out ways we could each help each other try and address the pain points. 
Oh, this is great. And Lisa, you'll, you'll find this interesting. So um, last week I was doing a negotiation uh, training for a, a company, a procurement team, and we did a simulation as part of it. And one group didn't understand the simulation and they thought that they were on the same team prepping for a negotiation when in fact they had different in different sets of facts and they should have been negotiating with themselves. And so what ended up happening was instead of a negotiation, they had a brainstorming session. Yeah. And and yeah. Uh, then it was only toward the end that they realized, wait a second, we're, we're not on the same team. And then yeah. they ended up getting a really great deal because yes. they were open and, and shared yes. really openly uh, what they needed. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, you know, as a lawyer, I understand the importance of confidentiality, but so much of, of, of that negotiation that there, I can't, I, I'm trying to remember of, of something that we had to, we had to be careful about in terms of um, protecting and being confidential about, because I think we were fully open and transparent in that whole, um, whole negotiation and that whole process. Because that, that's what we needed to do. I mean, we had to have full transparency to be able to come up with the best agreement possible for both sides. Exactly. Exactly. And and you're right. As you know, as lawyers, especially, we're we're trained to be risk averse, right? right. And um, <laughs> especially when everybody um, is in this really, um, it's like the scarcity mentality. You get focused on the um, what is lacking and the problems and the potential threats that might come about. And then when you sit back and reevaluate this negotiation and then negotiations you had in the past, usually the you can share the majority right of, of what is there of that information now the the thing is you want to make sure that it's not disproportionate where it's like oh i'm the only person sharing here <laughs> you're not giving me anything right that's Absolutely. the that's the one thing you want to be mindful of but uh, again it's it's really surprising how much you can share now of course if it's a little bit more contentious there might be some litigation type of implications then of course right. there's something some things you want to hold to your chest but again the more open you are in in the majority of these situations the better absolutely and i do think that it's it's good you know before you go into that negotiation to have a conversation with the person that um, you're going into the negotiation with and have that conversation about what information for whatever reason do we have to hold back and then um have be in agreement with that because when i went through these negotiations i did it with my cfo who's also our executive vice president and we did have those conversations about what what is it that we felt like we we could share what is it to the extent there was something we needed to hold back we agreed on what that was and then we also talked about how like you said it's kind of a tit for tat kind of thing we're not going to just walk in there and just dump it all on the table um we we talked about well let's these are the things that we need to start with and if they start responding to us in this way, then we'll go and start giving this. And so, yeah, we didn't go in and just give up the whole store. We went in there and we, um, it, it was a process and, and the more they gave, the more we gave back. Oh, this is great. Yeah, because there's it. We're recognizing here that there's a strategy behind everything. There's a strategy behind transparency as well, and um, that's why for the listeners out there, make sure you download the free negotiation guides at americannegotiationinstitute.com/guide so you can prepare beforehand and know what it is you can say <laughs> during the negotiation so you don't accidentally share it too much. And yeah, I think it's really, really smart to make sure that you're again triggering reciprocity with your vulnerability. 
um, you're sharing a little bit, getting a little bit in uh, in return. And I think that's something that um, novice negotiators often overlook. They say, oh, be open, be transparent. Collaborative negotiators share information. Fantastic. Here is my entire life. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're not getting a reciprocal concession there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, great. Well, let's talk about reasonable adjustments. Um, again, I think this is something that's overlooked too frequently in negotiations when it's appropriate to adjust. And so when you found yourself in these really tough negotiations where you're renegotiating already established contracts, um, what was your approach to adjustment? Yeah, I mean, that it was that collaborative problem solving um, because um, we did get to points where we would say, I can't adjust. There, there's nothing more that we can do. But the, the only thing that we could do was to have problem solving, brainstorming conversations. Is this really as far as you can go? And if you can't go any farther here, is there another line item that we can then move and talk about, about you know, taking and, and adjusting even more. And so we did go back and forth with that. And we moved from point to point because it, it got to the point where we were saying, listen, something has got to give. I understand you don't want to give here. And I understand you don't want to give here, but something's got to go because we're not going to be able to um, move forward in this manner. So we've got to figure out what it is you're willing to give up. And, and then sometimes we, we said, we'll concede this if you can concede that. And I think that that will get us where we need to be. Oh, this is great. And I especially like that last point that you you added at the end there, because it goes back to what we've been saying the whole time about reciprocity. When you're making adjustments, when you're making concessions in negotiations, what you're doing is it's a reciprocal concession. I'm not just, it, this isn't, you know, the holiday season, it's over, right? I'm not just giving you gifts. So, right. <laughs> so right. I accept some back here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so everything you're offering should be tied to getting something in return. That's so important when it comes to maintaining a good position in these negotiations. Absolutely. It's fantastic. And how much thought did you give before the negotiations when it came to a, the adjustments that you would make at the negotiation table? You know, it was really hard. I don't think that we had the ability to really think through that because I'll be honest, when you're looking at all those different line items, we hire a vendor to do the job that they do and we are not down in the deep details of what it is they do and so we had to be open-minded and that's why you know when we, we we asked pointed questions so that we could understand their pain point um it was impossible to take a look at their budget and know just looking at their budget where their pain points were there were some assumptions i think we made well this shouldn't be an issue and this shouldn't be an issue but then when we had a conversation with them we realized okay i understand now that that is an issue so sometimes as much as planning is helpful there's a degree at which you can't plan because it's going to be um it, it's going to de be dependent on the information that they share with you that you don't know no that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense and again though even though you couldn't plan for specifics just the preparation that you had beforehand helps you to know what is reasonable in the moment too oh yeah and we would say surely to god they can give this up you know mm -hmm. Can't think of any reason they can't, you know, and then you'd go in and they were like, 
uh, yeah, no, we can't. And here's the reasons why. But there was also points too, where we thought, well, I think they're going to probably stand firm on this. And they surprised us and said, you know what? I do think that we do have some flexibility here. So that's great. That's great. And with the structure of your organization, I know you you had the your financial partner there helping. Was procurement involved at all in this part of the process? So no, not uh, not in in this. Um, the, the CFO and I negotiated, renegotiated the contract, and what we did make sure that our vendor understood is that we could not commit to anything sitting there at the desk. We were doing the best that we could do to get the best terms possible, but we did then have to take it back to um, our purchasing and uh, procurement section to make sure that there was something that we had not overlooked. We had to take it to our president, and then ultimately we were going to have to have it approved by our board. Yep. Makes sense. And again, very, it's, it's so, it's something that people overlook, right? Making sure you're clear on the, uh, the authority that you have during the negotiation. Could you imagine how frustrated they would have been if they felt like this was written in stone and then right. the board says no. And then they're like, what was the point of talking to you? Yeah. All? You know, and, and, and honestly, we use that too, to our advantage during the negotiation as a strategy, we are not the final decision makers. And so part of the reason we have to have this dialogue and we have to have this conversation um, because we're going to need to justify everything that we include in this new contract. And we're going to need to be able to explain it to our board and our president. And we're going to have to show that we are protecting public money. And we did our absolute best and we did our due diligence to make sure that we, we got a, a fair and reasonable deal to bring before them to approve. Oh, this is fantastic. Oh, I am... I'm so great, so grateful that this episode went so well because you know what it tells me? It tells me that the sparring session is going to go even better. So listeners, make sure you stay tuned for that next episode. But Lisa, before you go and we wrap up this episode, what would you say is the, the top takeaway for, for the listeners from this? I just just don't underestimate the value of of collaborative negotiation. Like you say, it's not about giving away the farm, but... Um, you know, when you walk into that process, think of it as a partner coming together, problem solving, so that you can continue your relationship moving forward into the future. That's fantastic. Thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. If the listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to connect? I think the best way is um, is I'm on LinkedIn. Yes. And that is where we met. <laughs> yes, it is. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you again. We really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.